Shalom Aleichem, welcome to the Schmooze. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am visiting with Sarah Oresti. Inspired by her family's Sephardic roots from Greece and Macedonia, Sarah has spent the last 20 years bringing contemporary Ladino, Judeo-Spanish culture to a new generation, a composer, singer, and children's book author. She travels the globe, combining traditional Sephardic flavors with her signature contemporary style. With her award-winning original Ladino children's project, Time to Wake Up, and I'll let her pronounce that in Spanish if I may, and her most recent bilingual initiative, Together, she has been a vocal advocate for exposing new audiences to Sephardic culture and diversity in Jewish life. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's lovely to have you here, and uh, we're looking forward to having you here in a few months for Yidstock. Um, so it's a, a pleasure to get you in the studio and to ask you a few questions in advance of your performance here. Um, tell me a little bit about your Jewish family roots, which I gather trace back to Greece and share a little bit about that heritage and maybe how it informs, influences. Sure. Well, my family heritage actually traces back all the way to Spain. So over 500 years ago, my family was in Spain, and we were part of a very vibrant Jewish community there. And then in 1492, sadly, we, among many other groups, were asked not so nicely to leave. And my family, like many others, ended up going eastwards towards the Middle East, towards the Ottoman Empire, where we were welcomed. And uh, my family ended up there in the Ottoman Empire, and today... Uh, the town that my grandfather was born in would actually be under the borders of Macedonia, the Republic of Macedonia. But at the time, uh, you know, it was all just the Ottoman Turkish Empire. So growing up, it was a bit confusing because I very clearly recall my grandfather saying that he was from Greece, but that he was a Turk and that he spoke Spanish. <laughs> So it was definitely this mishmash that I've spent much of my adult life unpacking. Um, but generally speaking, back then, um, you know, there was not so much distinction between some of the areas within the Ottoman Empire. It's quite amazing that you know that much about your family going that far back. Yeah, I mean, I've spent so much of my life, you know, several decades researching this. Um, I don't have necessarily the, you know, the physical um, manuscripts and... Um, evidence that can trace us directly back to Spain, but I know that that is our family history. So, Sarah, what led you to Ladino, or do you refer to it as Sephardic, Ladino? Tell me a little bit about it and how you came to it. That is a great question because there is some debate as to the actual name of the language that I sing in. Um, I do call it Ladino because that is because that has become the accepted, uh, most universal way to um, uh, to represent this language today, but a lot of people um, very strongly feel that it should not be called Ladino and, in fact, should be called um, either Judeo-Spanish, Judeo-Espanol, um, or Judesmo, and there are some other names as well, but I do feel comfortable calling it Ladino, and I came to it mostly through music in that um, I grew up as a very serious Western classical musician, and um, through the courses of my study, I ended up in Israel singing for some time. And just uh, coincidentally or serendipitously, I ended up having an opera coach at the time who was a well-renowned um, Ladino singer. His name was Nico Castell, the late, great Nico Castell. 
um, who was a beautiful cantor. His family was from Venezuela, and he happened to be an expert in Ladino. And among other things, he was also one of the lead diction coaches at the Metropolitan Opera. So in between the opera coachings I was having with him in Tel Aviv, I was part of the Israel Vocal Arts Institute, he would teach me some of the classical Ladino repertoire because we very quickly uh, realized that we shared the same Sephardic heritage. And it was just you know, such, such a gift to be able to study with him, not only opera, but this body of music from our, our shared heritage. I'd always heard the folk songs, uh, some of the folk songs growing up, but I really have an immigrant story that is probably not so unusual, whether you're Sephardi or Ashkenazi or whatever, um, in that my family came over to America escaping war. In their case, it was the Balkan Wars in 1912. And when they left the old country behind, so to speak, they really wanted to become American. They wanted to find their place in their new country. And so they assimilated very quickly. And sadly, some of the culture, the language most specifically, um, and also the music, was not transmitted to the next generation, to my parents' generation. And so growing up, I heard snippets here and there of this beautiful Ladino uh, music and culture, and I knew that we came from a very proud, strong Sephardic family, but it was all in bits and pieces. And so finally, I found myself in Israel studying with Miko Castell, and I could really dive in to this beautiful, classical, rich musical repertoire. And I realized, oh my gosh, that's where my heart was. And um, my fans agreed in that I came back to America and did a series of opera recitals, and in each performance, I included a section of Ladino music, and without fail, after every performance, audience members would come up to me and tell me that the Ladino portion was their favorite part, and um, quickly I came to to agree with them. That was clearly where my heart was, and I guess I was, I was singing that music perhaps, you know, differently. We have a pretty extensive collection of Yiddish sheet music, which you probably have seen upstairs. I was salivating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what exists out there for Ladino music? You know, quite a bit, actually. Um, there have been wonderful uh, field recordings. Ethnomusicologists have done an incredible job recording native Ladino speakers and, and recording their folk songs. It's been, you know, in the course of the last hundred years or so, um, starting in the 20th century, there were really um, some, in, there are some incredible field recordings out there. And most of it, um, not all of it, but um, there is a large portion of material that has been recently digitized by the University of Washington in Seattle. I know Devin Nahr is a, is a good pal of the Yiddish Book Center. Huge fans of Devin yeah. and, and, and his efforts, yes. Right, and um, his department has done an incredible job. Um, also in, in, uh, in Israel, there is um, quite a large archive of, of this material. And so there are resources. I mean, obviously, firsthand Ladino speakers are the best resources, and luckily I still do have some members in my own family. Do you put, and I, I'm always reluctant to use this word anymore, but um, certainly there was the 80s revival of klezmer. Mm -hmm. um, I always think of everything now as an evolution because it's sort of a natural evolution and reimagining. Do you feel you're on the cusp of that with Ladino, or has it just sort of been on the periphery and we're not aware of it? Yeah, I think it's been happening over the last decade. Um, 
certainly more quietly than the Klezmer revival and that just our numbers are smaller. But I'm always surprised, especially when I tour in Europe, in Europe how many non, uh, non-Sephardic or even non-Jewish singers are picking up on some of this music because it is just truly so beautiful. Um, I'd say in the last decade there are um, some beautiful, beautiful singers uh, and groups that have sprung up that have done a wonderful job preserving the traditional repertoire. And um, in preserving it, a lot of these groups have their own distinct style. So you might hear one group that does it in more of a flamenco style, one group that does it in more of a jazz style, much akin to what happened in the Klezmer revival. Um, I'd say there are fewer people composing new material in the language. And that's really where I found my niche in that I'm certainly not the only one, but um, that is really what I do now, which is at least in my last three recordings and all the work that I presently do is all original composition. Interesting. That's um, So you are doing the evolution of this and bringing it bringing it forward, as it were. Correct. I'm less interested in the traditional repertoire mm-hmm. now. Um, that is what I did for you know, over a decade, and I love that music, and I do still perform it. But I'm really interested in the contemporary expression because I, I want audiences to hear and to see that this is still a part of a living, breathing culture. Interesting. It's sort of analogous to what we talk about in terms of translating the books, that they find a new readership. And I think that's what's always been exciting for me at Yidstock is to see where people are going with this, that it's not static, that we're not just listening to music that belonged a decade or three decades or five, however long ago. Um, So your musical beginnings, I gather, maybe I'm misreading this, um, is that early on you launched uh, your own Judeo-Spanish rock band. Did that precede the classic (laughs) training? No, that came after. (laughs) Um, And it's because I, I fell in love with the traditional repertoire, but I wanted to be honest with my listeners in that I didn't grow up in the Balkans, and I you know, didn't grow up with this music imprinted in me. And so I knew that if I was going to perform it, I had to uh, both maintain the integrity of the traditional sound, the traditional music, but also had to be true to myself and perform it in a way that felt honest. And I grew up on American <laughs> rock and roll. Um, that was my style. And um, I really wanted to reach out to my peers as well and um, I, I was very disappointed that you know, really none of my friends had ever heard of, of Ladino and you know whether you're Jewish or not everybody at this point has heard of Yiddish and I just I felt so jealous and I wanted to find a way to reach out to my own peer group and for me really combining the traditional music with a more contemporary sensibility primarily through the instrumentation um, was important to me. So you're performing at Yidstock as we say, Yidstock, the Festival of New Yiddish Music, on July 15th, 2018, here at the Center. And you'll be performing with Anthony Russell. Tell me about Mm -hmm. that collaboration. Well, I'm very excited to work with him. We have crossed paths many times, but we've never actually performed together. He's a brilliant opera singer of traditional Yiddish music. And um, we were asked to put together a program that combines Ladino and Yiddish. And in thinking about it, we decided we wanted to break the program up by theme. So we've identified seven themes that are pretty universal um, and that really can connect the two cultures together. And through those themes, we'll be interweaving traditional 
songs in both of our respective languages, and we'll see where they overlap. Well, there's already a groundswell of excitement when we announced that you would be here. Um, tickets quickly oh, got gobbled up. <laughs> um, that Seth Rogovoy put you in this mix, I think, is just really I'm wonderful thrilled. and exciting. Now, that program that I'm doing with Anthony, though, I should say is um, really much more traditional music. I'm just performing with a classical guitar, and we are only drawing from traditional repertoire. My program on the 14th of July mm-hmm. will actually lead people through a journey from traditional music to contemporary Latino today. So I will be showing and performing examples of both traditional and um, and modern Latino music. Great, and I'm glad you point that out because you have more than one program during Yidstock, which is also what makes the weekend really exciting. So what are you currently working on, or have you just finished a project? Yes. Well, I just finished a project at uh, the end of last year, but um, the the style of the project allows me to keep rolling it out throughout this coming year because it's a holiday album. I traced the entire Hebrew calendar and I composed music bilingually in both Ladino and in English. And um, the project is called Together and Juntos. And um, it's to symbolize that these languages can work together and that holidays are meant to be spent together. And so by going through the Hebrew calendar and composing this music, I really want families to be able to engage in some of these holidays in in fresh new ways. And, you know, I've come to understand and respect the fact that many families don't know much about Sephardic culture. And so by introducing the holidays with a light Sephardic lens has been really fun for me to be able to expose families to this beautiful part of Jewish history. And quickly before you leave, um, I have to acknowledge the fact that you are here at the Yiddish Book Center this week um, as part of Tent Children's Literature. You, um, <laughs> you're uh, multi-talented. <laughs> I wear many um, hats these Yes, days. you do. I mean, there, there certainly is, uh, you know, a parallel construct between storytelling and song. I wonder if you can just give me a, a sure. quick uh, what have you about how that works for you. Well, my career really took a shift about four years ago when I was pregnant with my first child, and I was receiving a lot of music from um, from friends that were beautiful children's collections, beautiful children's CDs. Um, some had Jewish content, and some were simply just secular. And I was in love with those CDs and yet wanted to be able to share some Ladino music with my with my kids. And there were some beautiful Ladino lullabies, but lullabies, let's face it, those are for parents. Um, I wanted really, you know, children's CDs that my kids could, could you know, snap their fingers to, and I couldn't find it. So um, I decided to write my own children's album, which I did. It came out um, several years ago called Hora de Despertar, Time to Wake Up. And it has two meanings. The first is that uh, for kids, it really is um, a song and it has now turned into a book about waking up in the morning. It's just a fun, silly song about the rituals of waking up. But for adults, it really has a wider meaning. Time to wake up. If we don't really wake up and open our eyes to the fact that this culture is not going to be here forever, we have to start teaching our kids about this tradition um, or else it will will fade out. So that 
started as a music CD. It then turned into an animated cartoon series, and then it turned into a children's book. And I'm now using all of those materials to go into schools to make sure that kids as, as young as, you know, little, little, little babies are being exposed to this culture. And that really opened my eyes to how do we express contemporary Sephardic culture and storytelling today in children's books especially. And so it has taken my career in yet a new <laughs> direction, and not entirely a new direction, but a complementary one, I'd like to think. And I, am, um, I have been writing children's books to make sure that aspects of, of this culture uh, will now be in the hands of little, little kids all over. Well, it's exciting to see you know, where you've taken all of this, and I'm sure that this, there's a lot more to come. Okay. Um, for our listeners who'd like to know a little bit more about your work, is there a website they can visit? Oh, of course. So uh, I know my name can be a tongue twister sometimes, but it's www.sarah, S-A-R-A-H, A-R-O-E-S-T-E dot com. And to learn a little bit more about Yidstock, your performance, to purchase tickets, which are selling quickly, uh, Yid Yidstock uh, information can be found at yiddishbookcenter.org backslash yidstock, Y-I-D-S-T-O-C-K. Thank you so much for taking time. You My are pleasure. busy, if nothing else, <laughs> and um, we can't wait to have you back here soon. I'm excited. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. My name is Rafi, and I'm a fellow at the Yiddish Book Center. For more information about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. While you're there, I recommend listening to episode number 26, Erin Lansky's June 2012 conversation with Hannah Motek about her career and life in Yiddish. Until next time, be well, be healthy, Zygazoom.